from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. It's supposed to be a time of celebration, but the holidays can be downright hard sometimes on the farm. That's a heavy mental load that many people don't give significance to. One farmer's important message. Is grass-fed beef really more climate friendly than traditional beef? What one study says folks are overlooking. As two members of Congress call for an investigation into the fertilizer industry. So if there is collusion, if there's antitrust, he can suggest action uh, to the uh, FTC and to the Justice Department to take action through lawsuits. But where do prices stand after the recent roller coaster ride? The latest, right now on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the name on the cap matches the power of one's purpose. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Tyne Morgan, coming to you from our Kansas City studios. Clinton Griffiths is still on assignment. Two members of Congress are calling for an investigation by USDA in a concentration within the fertilizer industry. Republican Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa and Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin are set to introduce the Fertilizer Research Act of 2023. Ag Day's Michelle Rupp joins us. Michelle, fertilizer prices have been on a wild ride the past couple of years. That's true, but fertilizer prices are well off record highs, and some market analysts believe that the run-up was tied more to global supply and demand versus wrongdoing in the fertilizer industry, and that the legislation may be too little, too late. The bill being introduced in the Senate calls for USDA to investigate potential anti-competitive practices within the fertilizer industry. Bill co-sponsor Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley told me the industry has gotten concentrated into too few hands. This whole uh, bill that you are asking me about is to get the Secretary of Agriculture looking into all this. So if there is collusion, if there's antitrust, he can suggest action uh, to the uh, FTC and to the Justice Department to take action through lawsuits. One fertilizer expert says while he appreciates the congressional attention to fertilizer prices, the market has somewhat corrected the problem with values down sharply from the record highs 18 months ago. Overall, a lot of the high price situations we've been dealing with have largely been solved. And you look at things like urea, it's down, I think it is urea, UAN, and potash are all down 60% from where they were at the high. I think phosphate's closer to 40. So there's been a lot of price depreciation since those highs. Obviously, we'd all like to see it cheaper, but it's a good ratio today compared to where corn values are. Linville also believes the record high fertilizer prices were less about anti-competitive practices and more about global supply and demand fundamentals, starting with the countervailing duties on phosphate from Morocco and Russia. Most of the storylines that we have talked about that has caused the price volatility, the price heights that we've seen, had a lot more to do with international. It's Chinese government uh, export restrictions. It's Dutch TTF, European natural gas markets being sky high compared to where they normally are. Production issues around the world. We thought we lost Russian exports when they invaded the Ukraine. So a lot of the factors that have driven volatility have had much more to do with the international market than it has been domestic. The bill also directs USDA to improve price transparency in the fertilizer industry, which Linville agrees with. Senator Grassley aims to have the legislation included in next year's five-year farm bill reauthorization, but is open to other avenues for passage. I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ag Day. Thanks, Michelle. Also in Congress, the House passed a plan that would allow whole milk to be served in schools for the first time since 2012. 
The Whole Milk for Healthy Kids Act of 2023 was approved with a vote of 330 to 99. It remains uncertain whether the Senate will take any action on the companion measure. The National Milk Producers Federation commending the House for passing it, saying it expands the tools schools can use to deliver vital nutrition to students by increasing the variety of healthful milk options a school can choose to serve. The action also applauded by the American Farm Bureau Federation. There's another round of aid for producers impacted by losses due to the pandemic. USDA kicking off $223 million in payments through the Pandemic Assistance Revenue Program. The program aims to provide financial help to producers who experienced a decline in allowable gross revenue due to the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. Payments will be directed to those who suffered a 15% or greater reduction in revenue during that year. The agency reports it received a significant number of applications totaling over $7 billion, coming from 38,500 applicants. El Nino may be strong right now, but forecasters say the weather event could make a quick exit. NOAA forecasters saying there's a 54% chance this El Nino event will end up historically strong, even potentially ranking in the top five on record. But looking ahead, they say it's likely that it will end and be neutral conditions that will return as early as April. That's a month earlier than they predicted during last month's forecast. And some areas of the country continuing to pick up some rain and snow today. Meteorologist Martin Lauramore has more. Yeah, a white Christmas is um, it's looking a little bit difficult for almost the nation, especially northern plains now toward the Midwest, where we look at the temperature outlook on their eight to 14 days. This is right around that Christmas time. A lot of very above average temperatures for pretty much the entire nation, which actually funny enough, the only place to not expecting to see it is going to be in Florida, where they haven't seen a white Christmas in about 40 years. So a lot of those not going to be seeing white Christmases that normally do, but we're still watching for a little bit of rain, actually, and some of it could could be a little bit on the dangerous side over the next couple of days. We get into our Friday. There's a little bit of potential out toward uh, parts of East Texas. That'll eventually move into parts of Florida where they're looking at the better chance of seeing more of that moisture getting pulled off of the Gulf and they can be seeing that that'll continue up its way into the eastern part of the United States. So they're watching over the next several days to see a little bit of that rain. Again, this is a time of the year where a lot of those storms start turning into rain. So seeing a lot of this rainfall as of right now through the weekend is looking like we'll be seeing quite a bit of that as we head throughout the rest of that week. And speaking of snow, you'd expect it to be snow in Anchorage, Alaska, right? But get this, the area has already seen 60 inches of snow. That's five feet. Imagine all that coming down at once. Here's what it looked like earlier this week with all that wind and blowing snow. Usually, They've only had about 26 inches by this time of year. So if you're looking for snow right now, Anchorage is the place to be. We'll have more on that forecast coming up. For the last couple of years, exports of U.S. wheat have been at multi-decade lows, but there are signs of a possible rebound. Right now, U.S. wheat supplies are larger than last year, while global ending stocks are forecast to be the lowest since the 2015-2016 season. And as we've been reporting, China has been buying more U.S. wheat as of late. That has USDA raising its wheat exports by 25 million bushels. Still uh, exports down a bit year over year, but we're seeing that strength starting to develop. Prices have been gaining some strength as well. Now 7.30 a bushel, that's still 17% below last season. In more wheat news, Kansas State University researchers report a breakthrough in developing wheat-based 
foods with lower amounts of gluten. And that's good news for those with celiac or other autoimmune diseases. Scientists with the university working in partnership with Kansas Wheat. They successfully used a gene editing technique known as CRISPR-Cas9. With it, they were able to cut the presence of two types of gluten-coating genes and some peptides, which are the amino acid building blocks that form proteins. Gluten is a protein often found in wheat, barley, and rye. When people with celiac disease eat gluten, their body can mount an immune response that attacks the small intestines. Well, there was some good wheat export news released yesterday. We'll have the latest on how the markets reacted coming up and later protecting your mental health at what's supposed to be a joyous time of year. One farmer shares her story in the country. And time is running out to sign up for the Case IH holiday giveaway. Each lucky winner will get a Case IH prize pack full of great gifts. We'll announce the winners just before Christmas here on Ag Day. Then I'll announce the grand prize winner next weekend on U.S. Farm Report. It's a Farmall C Pebble Tractor. To enter, just head over to the website on your screen, caseihholidaygiveaway.com. Ag Day is brought to you by Tyrannus, moving the acre forward. Every acre tells a story. Find yours at acreforward.com. That's acreforward.com. Some good export sales news released on Thursday, including a marketing year high for wheat and a flash sale of more than 14.5 million bushels of soybeans for unknown destinations. But corn and soybeans only made small gains. Michelle Rook is back with more in Markets Now. Great and livestock futures were mostly higher on Thursday. Naomi Bloom with Total Farm Marketing joining us. And some correction in the grains. Nice to see, Naomi. Was most of it just corrected buying after the big sell-off we had on Wednesday? Well, I think it was a little bit of that, but uh, the market also found some momentum on decent weekly export sales for corn, beans, and wheat. And going forward, there is that seasonal tendency for grains to work higher into the end of the year. Market finding a little bit of support from the Fed yesterday, keeping interest rates unchanged. And because they did that, that actually uh, put a little bit of lower pressure on the dollar. And as you know, a lower dollar for agricultural markets is a good thing. It makes our exports competitive on the global scene. And hopefully we'll continue to see a little bit more of an uptick with exports in the coming weeks, especially since the Brazil crop is not out of the woods yet in terms of production. From a technical standpoint, Naomi, we also kind of bounced off some support levels here in wheat and beans as well, right? Yes. Uh, soybeans tested the 200-day moving average support area and held beautifully. The March Chicago week contract went and tested the $6 price area and held really well before finishing the day higher. So there is uh, some technical momentum again there. And again, on the seasonal side, there is that tendency for grain prices to work higher into early January. In fact, for March corn, 16 out of the last 16 years, the market has worked higher after the December WASD report into January with the average rally being 47 cents. Uh, so we'll see what kind of a rally we can get this year if there is one. We're looking to see if there's any fresh news on the horizon in terms of export demand, or maybe we'll get some news from the Biden administration regarding corn ethanol use for the aviation industry. That would be a nice shot in the arm for demand, and we'll see what they have to say. All right. Lots to watch as we get into the end of the year. Thanks so much for joining us, Amy Bloom with Total Farm Marketing. And that's Markets Now. We'll have more Ag Day coming up. Your next piece of equipment is on MachineryPete.com. 
Search equipment from dealerships across the country to find what you're looking for. Only on MachineRepeat.com. Plenty of rain is expected for a lot of the nation, especially places out toward the coast. As we're looking over the next 24 hours through a good portion of our weekend. Honestly, a lot of that rain can be coming down across parts of Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, Louisiana, Louisiana. Definitely some places really, really needing some of that rainfall. They're sitting in some very dangerously dry conditions. But as we look out toward parts of the East Coast, you can see at least in the southeasterly coast, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, a lot of South Carolina, even both the Carolinas could pick up upward to three to five inches isolated areas up to eight inches through this weekend. So plenty of rain could see some flash flooding as this system makes its way up the east coast. Now temperatures themselves are going to be staying quite warm outside of areas that don't see that rainfall. Northern plains stretching down to the central plains out toward Nebraska and Kansas places that have already of course uh, you know harvested their crops and everything. But those winter crops are going to be looking to see some very warm conditions, especially in the northern plains. This will stretch for almost a good majority of the nation. This is not going to be going anywhere through that Christmas. So white Christmas chances, eh, they're starting to slim down as we get in the next several days. Precipitation should stay pretty dry as we get into that next week. While those we see in the rainfall as we get into that weekend here in parts of the southeast and parts of the central uh, southern plains, not seeing a whole lot once you get toward that Christmas time. It should be remaining pretty dry, so they'll be able to dry out after a lot of that rainfall. Places out toward the west of Four Corners region, they'll be seeing some more of that rainfall as you get toward closer in that Christmas time. Now, of course, the jet stream, there's this high pressure that's sitting right over there. Once this low pressure pushes in, that's what's going to give a lot of that rainfall, but also a little bit of snow across parts of the Great Lakes. So we'll be watching that pretty closely as we get into our next weekend, but this low pressure right here is what's going to be that culprit on bringing in quite a bit of that rainfall as you get into this weekend. So we'll be watching it pretty closely. High pressure is expected to come back into our region. That's what's going to give us some more of those warmer and drier conditions as you head into that next part of your work week. So we'll be getting a little bit wet for the southeast, but you'll be drying out as you time you get into your next work week. Fort Benton, Montana, mostly sunny, high 46, looking pretty good out toward the west. Got Clinton, Oklahoma, a little bit cool. Temperatures sitting in the upper 40s, low just around freezing. And Wise, Virginia, sunny 56. We've heard grass-fed beef is better for the environment, but a new study says that's not necessarily the case. And while the holidays are supposed to be a happy time, for many in rural America, it can take a toll. One farmer shares her story in the country. A new report says grass-fed beef isn't more climate-friendly than traditional grain-fed meat. The study was conducted by the Food and Agriculture Division at the Breakthrough Institute. It was based on reviews of 100 beef production operations across 16 countries, including the U.S. Researchers comparing the relative carbon footprint of grass-fed beef, where cattle consume grass and forage, with grain-fed beef produced in feedlots. They report beef from pasture-finished operations, which rely more on grazing, produce 20% higher greenhouse gas emissions. They say they also have a 42% higher carbon footprint than beef from feedlot operations. The study says that to accurately assess the carbon footprint of beef production, land use impacts must be considered. And train riders in New Jersey have quite a tale to tell about why they were delayed after a bull ran onto the tracks in Newark. No one was hurt, but police say the bull was eventually corralled near a fenced in area. At this point, it's unclear where the bull even came from, but a local animal sanctuary has recovered it and is now caring for the animal. 
and the winner has been announced for this year's National Corn Yield Contest. And it's another record. The National Corn Growers says David Hula of Charles City, Virginia achieved a new national record yield of a whopping 623.8439 bushels to the acre. Let that sink in. That surpasses the previous record of 616.1953 bushels per acre, which was set by Hula back in 2019. But this isn't the first time Hula has topped the yield charts. This marks his 12th national high yield victory and his fifth world corn yield record. Congratulations again to David. All is merry and bright this time of year, except when it isn't. Coming up, how one woman is making mental health a priority on the farm and across her state. The holiday season is supposed to be a time of joy. However, it can also be a difficult time. That's why it's important to take care of your mental health. This week in Louisiana, agriculture's Neil Melanson talks to a farmer who is doing just that while also helping out other farmers. In Tangipaho Parish, Coy and Katie Corkin are pulling up to do their farm chores. The couple raise cattle here near Ameet, and like most farmers in their area, they had trouble with this season's drought and heat, selling off most of their herd this summer. The drought, it, it made it to where the grass, you know, was completely done, and we had to buy more feed to feed our cattle. Um, water was an issue, like watering the cows. Um, as well as growing crops um, that we normally would. So it's been a real burden, um, not only on us, but for everybody in the community. Both Coy and Katie have off-farm jobs. He's a state trooper while she is the executive director of the Louisiana Rural Mental Health Alliance. Katie says while the jobs provide them with financial stability, many in rural Louisiana are dependent upon a single source of income. She says on-farm stress has taken its toll this year as a result. In town at the local sale barn, there was cars, trucks with trailers of cows for miles because people were having to sell off their cows. And that was truly impactful and devastating because this is a way of life for people out here. And that really hit home um, and it just, it was really sad. Katie knows all too well how difficult it can be to talk about mental health issues. She says her personal struggles have helped to give her insight into what people go through. Having depression and anxiety, um, I never knew that that's what that was until, you know, I was diagnosed because you often don't realize what these feelings are and why they are persisting. And so here on the, the farm life, you know, worrying about the weather, worrying about financial stressors and the, the debt load that farmers and ranchers often face, that, that's a heavy mental load that many people don't give significance to. That's why she spends her time in Baton Rouge advocating for better policies and laws related to mental health. One of the biggest issues that we're working on is uh, for Medicaid patients, um, they have up to seven options for a Medicaid plan and providers don't want to have to deal with seven different plans because they each have their own rules and policies and so that's an extreme burden that most small providers in rural areas, they can't take on that load which means they can't see more patients and the same obviously goes with private insured as well. Winter can be a tough time for those struggling with mental health even without disasters. Katie says the most important thing people can do is reach out and connect with others. I do believe that the stigma is lifting around mental illness and mental health issues because people are starting to talk about it. I know I talk about my um, 
issues with depression and anxiety because I want others to know you're not alone. Like even though I might smile and look like a person that doesn't have something, you never know what somebody's experiencing on the inside. And so the more we talk about it and the more we tell our stories, that gives people the chance to tell their story and to know that they're not alone. Such important information. Thank you, Neil. And thank you, as always, to our friends at This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. Well, if you or anyone you know is experiencing a mental health crisis, dial 988. Even if you think it's not serious, there are people willing to talk. That's all the time we have this morning. Thank you for watching. For all of us at Ag Day, I'm Tyne Morgan. Have a great weekend in farm country.